22 pages later with your hosts, The Cap, Mike the Finance Guy, and Ralph the Tech. You know, I was listening to one of our old episodes a couple of weeks ago. Why? Why? Why not? Well, how old? It's just like flipping through a, a picture Which book. decade? Yeah. Like how old are we talking? Okay, here? we're talking about maybe in the 20s. And there's an episode where we had this thing where we would talk and kind of like as the intro would come in, we'd already be laughing almost like we were telling a joke. Or we're insane. <laughs> that was a dumb. Yeah, like that. <laughs> it was the dumbest idea I ever had. I'm like, why did I even try to do that? Because I felt like you uninclusive little fucking prick. <laughs> like, like we needed to be laughing in order for people to know this is going to be a comedy, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome to another. What the? Who? How did you do that? Do what? Um, oh, that's what happened. <laughs> Welcome. To, I'll explain in a second. Welcome <laughs> to non-exclusive. Bastard. Shut up. Now they're wondering what happened. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the podcast that makes you ask for more, even if it's something of more you don't want. Welcome to <laughs> Meanwhile, 22 Pages Later, Episode 90, also known as the New York Comic Con Edition. The post-New York Comic Con Edition. The, oh, the post-New York Comic Con Edition. And for those of you that don't know what post means, it means after. Oh my goodness. I've got something to say. I'm one of your hosts, The Cap. And as always, I'm here with the man with the razor-sharp focus, as well as razor-sharp critiquing tongue. Which makes it hard to date. MFG, Mike the Finance Guy. But as a gentleman, I must warn you, if you so much as glance at another woman, I'll be on Leela like a fly on a pile of very seductive manure. Oh my God. <laughs> Zap Bredigan. <laughs> I love Zach. He's like the ultimate Captain Kirk. As I was saying, and we saw him at, at the con, right? Who, Captain Zach Brannigan? Oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah we, we did we see saw people dressed as Zach Yeah, I didn't mean to jump the shark. We'll get there in a second. And our third member of the trio is the man who is known for. Resolving all plot holes with a tank. RT Square off the tank. Tank, yes. You know what would be awesome? If uh, when Google perfects their driving car, they put an I'm feeling lucky button on it and it just takes you to a random place. <laughs> oh my God, that, that is a sick idea. <laughs> Let's see. I got nothing to do. Google, I'm feeling lucky. Where do we go? Beirut, Spanish Harlem. <laughs> the Grand Canyon, where no one can hear you scream. <laughs> the 14th Precinct. <laughs> Oh, was that a, was that a police joke? Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, so um, today's episode, we're gonna be talking about um, we're gonna be heading to Harlem. Speaking of getting lucky, and well, figuratively, we're heading to Harlem, not literally. Are we As, gonna go get some coffee? No. no wow, <laughs> nice, nice. As we review the new Netflix Marvel series, Luke Cage. But first, can, I ca- can you sound less enthusiastic about it? Well, that sounded unenthusiastic. Yes, it did. Really? Redo, go. Okay, redo. Okay, so today's episode, guys, we're going to be going to Harlem, and we're going to see black people, and we're going to... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Not black people. (laughs) We're going to be talking about Luke Cage, but before we even do that, and before we get to the real meat of the show, kind of wanted to chop it up a little bit about about New York Comic Con this year. This is our third year going together as a group, so I kind of wanted to, you know... Talk about our, our, some of our, um, just briefly, some of our experiences, things we've encountered over there. Um, I mean, I enjoyed myself. I really had a good time. Oh, yeah, it was a good time. It was a horrible start. I was going to New York Comic Con, get your shit together. It makes an you- hour and 15 minutes to be in a line to get in versus the next day, 15 minutes for us to get in. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, for, for, for everybody who's listening, we, we went Friday and Saturday. Yeah. And Friday was the worst day to get in. It makes you wonder how they did it on Thursday. I, who knows? Well, I mean, not, if you can still buy tickets. Not my to, concern. <laughs> <laughs> not my job. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy, though, for you listeners out there. So on on Friday when we went, we got there at around 
10 30 ish close to 11 yeah close no, to no, it was about 10 40 when we yeah. actually got there right and we started walking in at around 11 and we got into that line and we got there we got inside we cut the line yeah we yeah. cut the line <laughs> we cut the line at, like i can tell you it was 10 42 i looked at my watch right. we cut the line at 10 42 and we got in there at, at, 12. To 12, at 12 at 12 at 12 exactly yeah because we same. walked the length of the or, or three quarters of the length of the javits center yep. yeah well plus extra street yeah. right and then on saturday we got there at 11 ish and we went in and we were inside by 11 15 yeah Oh yeah, it was really fifteen minutes. It was it was insane. And even um, I talked to one of the guys that was uh, telling you know people where to go and what directions, whatever. Even he said that they know that they screwed up badly because uh, they said that Friday night after it closed, they had a long sit down on how to redo this for Saturday. Well, thank God. Yeah. And and then someone just pulled out the plan from last year and said, "Well, this worked. Yeah, it ain't broke. <laughs> Pretty much. Let's use it. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, but that was. The, I mean, for me, that was the only the only downturn. I mean, it kind of set it off on a little bad note. But you know, con being the con right away, it was an enjoyable experience going you know, once you got inside. Yeah, agreed. And it, and it felt like it moved really well. It, yeah. I mean, for, for like Friday and even part of Saturday moved. It didn't move like molasses or like you got caught up in, in like a big big crowd. Right. I, I think they, they they made a really considerate effort to make sure that the aisles didn't stay. Yeah. Um, crowded or bunched up. They were like, keep it moving, keep it moving. Right. You know, and it just, it, it felt a lot more comfy this year. Mm-hmm. What I didn't like was there was like, I guess there was some sort of VIP person who was coming through. Still didn't understand who that was yeah. or, or where they were. They had a dog. She That's had, all I saw. Yeah. And they were coming through and they were telling everybody to move aside. Okay, fine. We can move aside. But there's a person with a wheelchair right in front of me. Yeah. Where do you want me to go? Yeah. And then the guy <laughs> kept seeing it, but he was like, well, move, move. And I'm like, saying to us, the people behind the guy when in the was wheelchair. This? Um, I think you guys were. It was when we were walking towards uh, to get that, the sword and the stuff. Oh, for, for Steve. For Steve, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was when they were in line for the wrestler. I thought we were separated by that point. No, I don't no, remember. No. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so wow. So I hadn't realized that it happened. Yeah, it was just one of those things. And this was the official people. This isn't like just some, you know, uh, some con goers that are trying to shove everyone out the way. This was the actual, you know, convention security, security, you know, and I'm like, you guys need to relax a little bit. I've noticed that the read pop security. I mean, I'll say, you know, they try to do the best they can. I know dealing with crowds can be painful and you got to be, you know, short and to the point, but a little bedside manner yeah. I, mean, this, I mean this is the first last time I've ever the same had. thing well that no last, well at least for me last year the people that were shoving her out of the way were the people that were with the guy in the really great costume yeah. right. you know they weren't security they were just a-holes that just thought like he's got a great costume if we hang around him everyone will think our costumes are great too yeah. you know? right <laughs> it was one of those things <laughs> that was the same guy this year it was the same guy from last year uh which one the the guy with the Hulkbuster armor is that you talking oh, okay. about yeah he he did the Reinhardt armor this year. Oh, was that? Oh, him? he oh, did okay. he did the Overwatch um, one, right? Oh, oh cool. cool. All right, very cool. Um, I mean, I, I'll say this: every time we go to Artist Row, and I don't want to get too much into. It, I just want to say that Artist Alley, Artist Alley, Artist Row. Sorry, Artist Row. Um, Dad brain strikes the shit. Up. Basically, he was just trying to say the artists aren't earning much. So it was really Skid Row. No, <laughs> no, never that, never that. They're where I want to be. Honestly, I mean, I, I love the fact that they can. You want to be in Skid Row? No, I want to be. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got prime real estate there right now. <laughs> I swear, we're gonna end the show now. No, no, no. But um, seriously, whoops. Uh, see, you were yeah. gonna try to. There you go. Okay. People, that was a way long way to go for a joke. And people yeah. and people listening to the show gonna be wondering what the fuck am I listening yeah. to? And hopefully we have some new listeners there. We were pretty much trying to guerrilla market ourselves out there, so we were throwing our cards left and right, giving them to people we're taking pictures of because lots of wonderful costumes were out there. Oh, there were a lot of so great costumes. Hopefully here. we have some new listeners, and if so, welcome aboard, new listeners. That's right. You, you know what I did? I sneaked into a few panels, and uh, when they were giving out free shit, 
us putting our cards inside the free shit. Yeah, yeah that would be nice. <laughs> guerrilla marketing, whoring, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, guerrilla marketing is easy. If you ever saw the faces of these two guys, you'd see I was already halfway there on the guerrilla. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in I was in cosplay the first day. So yeah. creepy yeah. ass cosplay. Oh please, you okay? You just have your clown problems. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you both sounded like monkeys that time. Yeah, that was a bad joke. Yeah, laugh. That was a horrible but, well, joke. because I fucked up my laugh. But <laughs> stop. <Yeah>. Anyway, <laughs> um, is there? Um, I was gonna say, is there anything that stuck out for you in the in the throughout the convention, either day one or day two? Anything like I was like, okay, well, this. Well, was- on day two, I was really happy. Uh, you know, our our wonderful Swedish listener Johannes uh, was nice enough to include me that a friend of his, uh, Kim W. Anderson, was going to be at the Dark Horse panel doing a signing. Uh, he he was signing, I guess, for Elena, which is a graphic novel he had done a little while ago. Right. It's actually already been turned into a Swedish horror film. Really? It's a horror wow. novel. I can't wait to read the novel, actually. Um, it's already been turned into a film, and I think they're trying to get U.S. rights for it now. Um, but uh, that and um, Love Hurts is another thing that he's done before, which I also want to read. I haven't read his work, but... We got to meet him, and what was nice is that we were late uh, to show up for the signing to just try and say hi or whatever. Um, I talked to the woman that was involved with the panel. She went back, um, talked to Kim, and he was nice enough to come out from you know after being done with all that and talk to us for a good 15 minutes, and he was just absolutely wonderful. So, Kim, if you're listening, hopefully you are. Thank you very much for talking to us, and for that. all the listeners, old and new, definitely go pick up Elena and Love Hurts by Kim W. Anderson. That's with two S's. Wonderful guy, wonderful guy, absolutely great art and great writer. And that's Dark Horse, right? Uh, it's by Dark Horse, yeah. It's being yeah. pushed out by them. You know that big booth with the big black horse? It's Dark Horse. That's what that was? Shit. Up. I thought it was just like a, a place where you go and buy um, just the night chess pieces. Oh, yeah, some of that. Did you guys run into anybody or anything like that that you were happy with? Um, definitely. I, I mean, I ran into, of course, our... Our usual crew, shout out to um, Victor Dandridge and to um, JP the Chong. Of course. Of course, yeah. you know. I mean, so I t- I'll talk about them definitely later oh, because yeah. they're always the highlight of, of, of the, the con. But bumping into Eric Larson again. Love talking to Eric oh, Larson. He's, great. he's so cool. He, you know, so. <laughs> the man that tries to act like he didn't draw Savage Dragon to look like him. <laughs> it's just, I'm like, that you looks just like him without like the little. Like the little extra skin on the head. You asked that question. That was so funny because when Mike, Mike had asked that question out loud and um, he said, well, actually, um, it, was, it wasn't supposed to be that way because I actually had hair before. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when you guys were talking to him, I was just standing to the side and I saw the, the Savage Dragon um, right behind them. And I'm like, wait a sec. I mean, it really looks just like him. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's amazing. Same, like, prominent jaw, and the nose. strong. And yeah. a very strong, uh, you know, nose, yeah. I'm like, holy shit. But, yeah, I always love speaking to artists that are that are pretty successful and pretty well-known, but are real, real chill and able to kind of just have a, 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 a conversation with you. And, and he even was like, hey, how's the podcast going? I was like, oh, wow, okay. Right. I mean, obviously, we all had shirts, so that kind of gave it away. But. Hey, that's, that's one way to push it. That was our other part of our guerrilla marketing. <laughs> <laughs> real cool shirts, which, by the way, everybody and their mother keeps asking. So, hopefully, we start selling them. I will let you guys know. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, Michael, what was the name of that artist that you thought wasn't alive anymore? Um, well, I'll, I'll bring him up oh. later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Ralph, what about you? Is there anything um, that stuck out for you or anybody you bumped into that was like, whoa? Well, I saw um, before the Thursday before Comic-Con, I was talking to uh, my boss, and he was telling me about different um, fantasy books that he enjoys. And one of them was um, the Dark Elf series by Ari Salvatore. Oh, okay. And he was actually at the con. Oh, wow. Oh, get out of so here. So I saw him there. I was like, oh, now, is he the writer, artist, or both? The writer. It's a, a novel. Oh, it's a novel. Oh, yeah. Novel. So he's the writer. Oh, wow. 
So I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Did you get to talk to him? No, because oh. it, it was like it, he was signing uh, books and it was a long ass line, but nah. I saw him there. I'm like, holy shit. Pretty oh, cool. cool, though. Yeah, well, I mean, it's great seeing people that, like, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's someone new that you found or someone that, you know, you know from your childhood. I mean, it's just, it's great to see them. And it's even better when they're nice people, which this time I don't have any, like, you know, horror stories. I, I don't have any, like, no, that my, guy no, with, no, my little pony. No, I, I have no guy. <laughs> well, no, this guy's a jerk. <laughs> you, you know, I found it kind of funny that the My Little Pony uh, car was only like two booths away from Neil Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's a brony at heart. <laughs> Shout out to my little pony. We're going to give you much more push than some other people. <laughs> that, that car was, was hot, though. Yeah. I, I would mind driving that car. I roll up in there. Ah, version for life. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you can get it back? Oh, my God. <laughs> with that car, yes. <laughs> and it'll curse your ancestors with it. Which won't be related to you only be, by your direct bloodline. Oh, my God. Because you're a virgin. There's a joke about hymens being sewn back up. Not going there. Just not going there. Not in this <laughs> political climate that we live in. Right, 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 right. I said there's a joke about that. I said I'm not going to say it. Shame on you, sir. Shame on me. All right. Well, let's keep the show rolling. We're going to talk about Comic-Con a little bit later. But I'm so glad that that we uh, had the opportunity to um, be together and, and do that. And we'll talk more about that later. But let's keep the show rolling. And let's um, let... MFG here break down the new stuff in geek culture. Well, that will either excite you or make you say, You're fucking kidding me, right? We just simply call it the quick news. And now, the quick news with Michael Finance Guy and Ralph and Kai. Yay, back to me. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, who, who are you again? Uh, you know who I am. <laughs> I'm MFG, the motherfucking genius. Ooh, oh, right. I have to get a rap behind that. We, we got, I, gotta no, get, no. I gotta get Mike D to give me a rap. <laughs> Shout out to Mike D. Mike D with two E's. Hope you're listening. Um, but as far as like I said, we we uh, did try and guerrilla market ourselves uh, during the con. Uh, so I don't know who might be a new listener. But as far as Facebook wise, which by the way we are on Facebook. As meanwhile, 22 pages later, I definitely know. Um, in the last month or so, we've acquired a couple of new listeners. So I want to say welcome aboard to Frank. Dariana and Sean. You guys know who you are. I'm not using your last names. That would be rude. <laughs> Alrighty, so now on to the news. Okay. Let's build our way to bigger news with, uh, with this first bit being just a nibble of yay. Netflix has finally gotten off its well-toned ass and given fans of its Marvel Comics series a release date for Iron Fist. Oh my God, finally. Uh, everyone should now set their calendars to busy for the weekend beginning March 17, 2017. Mm. Now, oh, was that your Aunt Petunia? She was having her 110th birthday party that weekend? <laughs> we'll tell her you'll visit her grave in 2018. <laughs> oh. Or maybe that was your wedding date. Well, sorry, brides-to-be. Tell your man that this hero has the power of a dragon in his fist. So unless your man has one dragon between his legs, he'll just have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think he was going to go there. <laughs> Iron Fist stars Finn Jones as Danny Rand, Jessica Henwick as Colleen Wing, and Louis Tan as... Zhao Chang, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Oh my goodness! And, and to get into that I panel was bananas. Oh my god, yes. And, yeah. and, and of course, I'm figuring that you have one or two more things about that panel. So I'm not yeah. going to say anything. But I was, I figured as quickly as those tickets went, you know, disappeared, yeah. that something big was going to happen. Oh, definitely, hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just cannot wait for Iron Fist to come out. Same here. All right. Now, whether you enjoyed Batman v Superman. Or sat through it with the same grimace of E.T. giving you a prostate exam with his glowing finger. <laughs> God. Most nerds agree that Ben Affleck did a good job as a Dark Knight. Absolutely. And with a solo feature on the way, tentatively titled The Batman, most of us want to know who's going to be joining in on the fun. Now, besides the return of Affleck as Batman and Jeremy Irons as Alfred, we've all heard that J.K. Simmons will play Commissioner Gordon. 
Uh, newer announcements have solidified that Joe Manganiello, Man, what is it, Manganiello? Manganiello? I, I never get it right. Uh, he's going to be Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke. Uh, but in the rumor mills, rumor has it, who? Rumor wow. Has it. Wait, wait, he could sing, but I can't? I didn't, and, and I didn't I can't. say he could sing. It's his segment. I'm leaving him alone. <laughs> but in those rumor mills, uh, fans speculate that Ryan Potter will be Tim Drake, while Eva Green mm. will be Catwoman. Yeah. Okay. How do we feel about Eva Green being Catwoman? I just keep thinking about Sin City 2, the electric boogaloo. Yeah. And <laughs> I just... I with mean, 90-year-old Eva? <laughs> I'm like, do not put pancake makeup and a close-up together on that woman. <laughs> I mean, I love her. She's a great actress. And, I mean, and she's, she's great in Penny Dreadful. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Penny Dreadful. I love that. I love that show. They but, canceled it, and I didn't watch it. You didn't huh? watch it? Um, no, it didn't. It, it didn't really cancel. It ended. It canceled. No, it ended. It ended. It's canceled. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. Eva Green, Catwoman, are you are you on board? I mean, her tits were spectacular. There we go. That's a rough well, statement. The, the thing is, it's, I mean, I guess what they're going with is that it's it's weird because Eva Green is only like I think in her mid thirties. Shut up. Yeah, she's not that old. I mean, again, no offense, Eva, if you happen to be listening here. She just maybe it's because she's thinner. You know, she has a very angular face. Right. Depending on the makeup, and I'll put, leave it at that. She can tend to look older than her age. I think personally. Right. Um, but so with that, you have F. Affleck that's in his forties. So you know, there it's an older Batman. I guess she's an older Catwoman. I mean, she's not definitely going to be like the young Selena Kyle first day out on the job. Right. I'm assuming it's going to be one of those more like we have history, Batman. <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. Why does she sound like the caterpillar from uh, Alice uh, in Wonderland? Maybe she is. <laughs> <laughs> so she's so, so they're rumored for her to play Catwoman and then also Tim Drake to be involved. Wow, interesting. Yeah, yeah interesting. She's 36. 36, yeah. yeah. Doesn't look it. <laughs> well, I didn't fresh, say that. So I didn't whisper that. <laughs> So, I mean, hopefully we'll see where this, Bat- this Batman movie goes. I hope that DC has learned from Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman that you need balance. And yeah. you can't be heavy on the drama and heavy on the seriousness. And then that, and then don't try to take it back after you already made the movie. So, right. you know. Well, you know, I send them, you know, emails, phone calls, Skype messages. You know. And they send you cease and desist notice. I was about to say, that sounds like a stalker. <laughs> All the issue. time. I was like, you know... I would gladly work on that movie for free on the script. You just got to let me know. But they're like, no. Well, from the last couple of movies, it looked like you did work for free. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> wow. That, 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 that sound will never go Cap, away. Huh? Why, why are you chasing out MFG? Man? You can tell that was a button. Shut it's up. Cool. <laughs> Fuck you. All right. All right. All right. So, all right. Well, well, last but not least, during the panel for Marvel's Iron, Iron Fist this year at the New York Comic Con, Excitement was already in the air when lead actor Finn Jones came on stage. Now, and the house nearly crumbled under the barrage of cheers when he welcomed a few friends to join him. Now, these friends were, of course, Charlie Cox, Daredevil, Kristen Ritter, Jessica Jones, and Mike Coulter, Luke Cage. But when the night's host announced that the upcoming Defender series had found the actor to play the series' villain, the audience collectively lost its shit when Sigourney Weaver strolled into the spotlight. Yep. Yeah, the 67-year-old BAFTA and Golden Globes winner and three times Academy Awards nominee will play an as-yet-unnamed villain, or I guess villainess. Uh, but let's face it, as the iconic star of, of the Alien franchise and as that woman that showed up at the end of The Cabin in the Woods and made that movie even more awesome, Sigourney could play a turkey sandwich and we'd love her. <laughs> First off, mm, I didn't see Cabin in the Woods, sandwich. so okay. I mean, yeah. oh, that movie's just so much fun. And she just, out of nowhere, you're like, were you just walking by on set? And they were like, Sigourney, 
put on this lab coat. Walk in there. <laughs> she was literally out of nowhere. You're like, Sigourney Weaver's in this movie? I, but I did see the, the, the footage of her walking off stage and wow. Yeah, that... Yeah. Now, any idea of any, any idea for you guys on who she probably would play? I'm asking Ralph, even though I know that you're not into the whole defenders, you know, and like what villain she would play. But just a shot in the dark. Anybody know who? I've never read any of uh, Luke Cage or Iron Fist or uh, the Defenders or Jessica yeah. Jones. Well, so see, I the thing, know. Yeah. see, the thing is with the Defenders, um, and especially this incarnation of the Defenders, they don't exist as. The defenders. defenders and the defenders themselves is a constantly changing roster, even more than the Avengers. It's not just they add on people; like they'll just complete a run, and then they'll just be a new group of people that are just like we're the defenders now. And you're like, I suppose that's fine. Um, <laughs> is know? that easy for membership? <laughs> you know. Um, so there is no defenders villain. Like there just isn't one villain that you're like, oh yeah, they they always go. What group's calling themselves the defenders? I hate them. <laughs> like, like there's not that one guy out there. So I have no idea. Um, I remember seeing, again, rumor mill type stuff. I remember seeing that there was a talk that Mephisto was thought to possibly be, you know, a villain for Defenders. Now, it still could work, and that would actually be really cool. Could you imagine if Mephisto was her? Because yes. the fact that it's a male demon has no... I mean, he's taken female form before, right? you know, to, to thwart the, uh, the heroes of 616, uh, Marvel's Universe. That would actually be kind of cool, like, to get, like, the double dose of, like, you know, her performing however she's going to perform, but then to realize that she's just this other entity... Behind it, and but I don't know yeah. this devil-like entity. Yeah, so they would just like CGI the the demon part. And Who knows then, if they'd have to, and then just use her regular as like a him trying to blend in. I don't know. I'm I'm just saying that like it would just be it would just be her being her. But it's just that like you know when it came down to the final fight scene, then you'd probably realize oh this is Mephisto kind of a thing, and that's why she's been able to whatever she's done manipulate or do whatever yeah. she does. Yeah, but again, that's just you know rumor mill. When people had talked about Mephisto, that was months ago. There is nothing saying that that's a character that's coming at all to the series. I just think that would be fun, but otherwise, not a clue who she could be playing. And it's funny, I lean I lean towards you, Mike, because I know that you would know all the obscure. Um, villains, which by the way, remind me, I got to hit up JP about obscure when we were the conversation oh, yeah. we had. Yeah. Oh, did you send us? Did you send me? Um, yeah, I got to hit him up um, to, to find out what, how he did it. Yeah, JP owes us a picture of uh, Wolverine with uh, Shadow Cat. Yeah. Uh, fighting fighting ninja. a whole bunch of ninjas with a pile of dead ninjas behind them. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. But going back to what I was, the original point, the idea that I know that you know obscure characters, and I couldn't think of any f- female villains. That would fit in, you know, yeah. like, I would say, what, Typhoid Mary is maybe part of him? Yeah, and that was great because uh, Johannes actually uh, had mentioned in a, in a Facebook um, exchange, he said, you know, what, Typhoid Mary. And I'm like, I like the concept of Typhoid Mary, period, yeah. for the de- uh, Defenders or, or any of their um, series. You know, Daredevil, obviously, where she was originated, so she would be great there. But Sigourney, 67-year-old Sigourney Weaver, as suddenly a highly advanced ninja chick with telekinetic abilities. No, I don't want to see that. <laughs> and by I, the way, and I love the woman. That actually might be the one she thinks she can't do. <laughs> yeah, like that would be a stretch. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. Like they do the behind the scenes, and you see her in training, kicking ass. Or even it just would, it just would not work. I mean, like you know, it's like she looks great for her age, but still, like I, you know, <laughs> I'm not expecting age, to see this happen. You know? Well, also shout out for Johannes. Thanks for making me not look original. <laughs> I guess I didn't, I didn't I didn't read the, the 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 back and forth between you two. And that's what you get. That's yeah. what I get. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's all the quick news. Just Okay, let me ask Ralph. Ralph, do you have any quick news being that I I um excluded you last episode? Oh, now I'm apologizing. I'm making nice. What the fuck? I, I can't give you a rub and tug, so you know what the hell? Why not? Because I'm married. <laughs> That's nothing <laughs> to do with sh- any of it. <laughs> and I'm straight. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's nothing to do with anything. Read, read a book. <laughs> <laughs> read a book. <laughs> a- any news before this gets awkward? I will not take your apology <laughs> or my rub and tug. No, he <laughs> said he wouldn't take the apology. <laughs> <laughs> I guess lonely in the tech booth. <laughs> uh, I-, I got some news. Uh, we have a director of PR now who is in charge of our uh, media empire. Wait, 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 we wait, now wait. have a Instagram account. Yeah, oh, that's Ooh. right. So What's it called? It, it's uh, meanwhile twenty two pages later. Ooh, yeah, it's one, one very original altogether. One word. Well, not one word. Sorry. So then, what is the meanwhile twenty two pages later? But is it meanwhile underscore twenty two pages later? No, it's just meanwhile twenty two pages later. Two two right. Okay, cool. The number 22. All right, fantastic. All right, cool. And our Twitter is up and running also. So if you want to tweet us at Meanwhile22, you can do that. Fantastic. And uh, our director of PR now is uh, incredibly... Isn't he just an intern? Uh, no, no. Oh, no. Oh, that's the other news. We have ah. an intern now, too. <laughs> Appointed to us. And why did I have to order my own pizza? <laughs> <laughs> Appointed to us by JP. We have an intern now, Joey Bags, cool guy. Oh, fantastic. And our director of uh, PR, Gigi. Oh, she's, she's doing incredibly. Oh my gosh, she's been job. so busy putting up pictures and organizing stuff for the for for the site. Let's put it this way: we're we're home. You know, she was she got sick over the weekend. And so of you being home. <laughs> and she's, you know, we're there watching TV and, you know, we're trying to rest. And here she is busy on the phone. And I'm thinking it's like work or whatever. She's like, oh, my goodness, which picture should I put up? And I'm like, for what? For, for your Meanwhile 22 page. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? She's like, well, I talked to Ralph and da 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 I was like, what? why is this happening without my okay? Why is my wife working for us? <laughs> she should be the voice. That's it. I'm kidding. <laughs> Since when does your wife need your approval? Never. <laughs> so yeah, so now we have an intern, and now we have uh, a director of PR. Yeah, who happens to be PR. Yeah. Nice. Okay, <laughs> All right. So let's go, let's go on with the show. Um, by the way, guys, congratulations on your positions, but we'll keep moving. Congratulations! <laughs> you get no money and no respect. <laughs> oh fuck! I respect you a little bit. I don't. Uh, <laughs> All right. So let's be, let's get to what we're here for. We're here to talk about. Luke Cage, the series on Netflix, um, produced by Marvel. What, um, what I was going to say before Mike even goes into his um, his um, quick news, <laughs> into his um, what do you call it? synopsis? Dead brain strikes again. Yeah, it's been a while since I've done this. Um, I'll tell you one thing: it feels like there's such a run of nothingness before Luke Cage has arrived. So I'm wondering, and that's the question I'm going to ask as we go into Mike's synopsis: Is this show really good, or is it um, filling in a hole of absence because there was nothing there? So with a synopsis to explain more. That's weird to ask a question before a synopsis, but let's move on. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. I mean, different. <laughs> um, and with a synopsis, is MFG Mike the Finance Guy? And we're talking for him. All right. So first of all, let's hit the spoiler button. First, okay. Warning. The following segment contains information that may ruin your enjoyment of the media in review. So if you believe this might upset you, Piss off, you wanker! Oh, the velvety voice of Steve. Francis. As he looks ah, down, yes. at us, as he looks down at us from his nose. <laughs> <laughs> um, alrighty. So now, just to append what the cat was saying, this is going to be a review of Marvel's Luke Cage episodes one through six. Thank you, sir. Solely. solely. So there will be nothing at all mentioned after six. <clears throat> so what happened after six? I wouldn't know. I have not seen past. Neither have I. So there you go. Anyhow, Marvel's Luke Cage is the latest gritty superhero offering from the Marvel Netflix love affair that produced Daredevil and Jessica Jones. The 13-episode series is based on the Marvel Comics character Luke Cage, who was created by Archie Goodwin, John Romita Sr., and George Tuska, 
and who first appeared in Luke Cage Hero for Hire number one, June of 1972. In the original series, Luke Cage was a former gang member who was framed for a crime and imprisoned, where he gained super strength and unbreakable skin in an unauthorized experiment. In the current comic book continuity, Cage is married to Jessica Jones, and the couple have a daughter named Danielle. Synopsis. Netflix servers couldn't handle the strain as massive amounts of viewers tuned in to see its series about a black man with a job (laughs) who happens to have superpowers. Uh, Former convict Luke Cage amazed everyone with his ability to afford New York City rent on a hair sweeper and dishwasher salary. (laughs) Following the death of Black Uncle Ben, Luke gets into a civil war with local crime boss Cottonmouth and his equally corrupt sister, city councilwoman Black Mariah. Along the way, Luke meets veteran cop Detective Misty Knight, who uses her misty vision to solve crimes, yet can't spot a corrupt cop in the passenger seat next to her. <laughs> although, Luke, um, although Luke tries to avoid the spotlight while deflecting bullets with his unbreakable skin, he is shamed into helping the residents of the Washington Heights version of Harlem, who don't seem to want to help themselves. The show is starring Mike Coulter as Carl Lucas slash Luke Cage, uh, Maharshala Ali as Cornell Cottonmouth Stoats, Simone Missick as Mercedes Misty Knight, Theo Rossi as Hernan Shades Alvarez, Alfre Woodard as Mariah Dillard, Frank Whaley as Raphael Scarf, and Rosario Dawson as Claire Temple. I love Claire. <laughs> Claire's great. <laughs> Every time. It, especially the way she entered the show, which we'll yeah, go up into which, in a second. Which, which, which I was like, too. very appropriate. Very appropriate. All right. So let's go into it. Luke Cage. Um, started a little bit differently than the other series, than Jessica Jones and Daredevil, mm-hmm. which is good. They're, they, they're very individual. It's not like, right. you know... Usually you have a cookie cutter um, style that people go, oh, it's successful, so we're going to keep doing it this way. Definitely very different as they open. Um, I'll say what I usually say. First six episodes, what'd you like about it? Um, well, I mean, the usual. I mean, the the actors they, they've gotten, that, which I just named, they're all wonderful. They've, they've really done a great job in their roles. Um, and the music is a lot of fun. I mean, definitely, definitely heightens to it. Um, and seeing, you know, the seeing more neighborhoody looks of New York, even though most of it is filmed in Washington Heights, not in Harlem, which I find really funny. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean most of it's shot in Heights, but there are things that were shot at where um, my wife and I used to live over in 150th Street. Right. I know that um, in um, Jackie Robinson Park, and I was like, oh my god, they were there. How did I miss them? I was living there for you know for a while. But well, they actually uh, timed their work schedule around yours to that make sure pro- that prob- that you guys never saw each other. And also, I mean, they didn't start filming that until last year. You weren't yeah. there anymore. Last yeah, what last year? No, yeah. it's only been a year since I moved. Yeah, yeah, that's when they started filming within the last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, thought, no, I, heard, I heard it was last year. Let's put it this way: they haven't finished filming any of uh, Iron Fist. Yeah, still not that's, sure. that's coming out in March. Well, they, you know they don't they don't have to do it like ages in advance. Right. So yeah, but I do agree about the New, the New York setting, the fact that it looks and it looks very New York, and it's not. Yeah. Hey, we we filmed in Montreal. It right. was totally very New York. The brownstones, a lot of the sites, especially like the scenes where Luke Cage is running through Harlem, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I run and I've run through there. I run, I run. Huh? He was running through one twenty. Yeah, no, because, yeah. because I run that path when I go. Um, drop off my daughter and I'm going somewhere else. I always run that exact path. So I'm like, yeah, that's the oh, path I, Cap I, takes every time he loots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, trust me, I don't loot. I'm not that fast. <laughs> when you hear the, the police sirens chasing after him, it's because, you know, he just stole something and he's running through 125th. Con- contrary exactly. to belief, I'm a Latino that doesn't commit crime. You sure? <laughs> I'm positive. You sure? <laughs> I'm Puerto Rican. Contrary I'm, to uh, belief, even I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, going back to what you like. See, 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 you said you like the music, you like the... Um, the, the settings, yeah. The, well, I like the performances. the performances. The performances are really well, and the script was. Um, 
it was pretty good. I mean, like it's as far as dialogue wise, I enjoyed most of the dialogue. Um, as far as the pacing of it, we'll get to that. All right, cool, Ralph. Um, let's see. I enjoyed that it was awesome. Is wow? No, I was gonna say didn't do your homework again. So, <laughs> do I ever do homework? Never. Again? Um, I wing it. Anyways. Uh, the music was awesome. Wu-Tang all the way. That shit was great. There's a few uh, moments where it seemed like it was a little bit dull, but then the music started coming in, and you're like, yeah! Um, the special effects were really good. They weren't even, like, over the top. Like, right. Whenever he was... But it was crazy. It was, like, um, his, like, wardrobe budget, like, Luke Cage, that, that character, his wardrobe budget must be, like, astronomical. Every time he's getting shot, getting bullet holes in his clothes. And it's like... <laughs> Well, something he's wearing like Ralph Lauren shirt and getting yeah. ejected. Yeah, but still, you know, yeah, I don't know how many Fruit of the Looms, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> guinea teas we could possibly go through. Wow, he said guinea teas. Oh my god, those hoodies, you know, don't pay for themselves. Yeah, right? that's at least like I would say twenty bucks minimum. And he seems like he's a what, a double XL, so maybe triple X. Yeah, so he would need to pay a little bit extra. So, well, especially that suit that he gets shot up in. So you know, that's oh the Dapper cool. Dan. Oh man, you yeah, mess with the Dapper Dan. Oh suit. yeah, man, fuck. Um, I mean, I agree. I, I I like the music. I liked the I liked a lot of the performances, the storytelling. The um, I'll say the first episode took me. I mean, it took me a while, but I enjoyed it. Second and third episode threw me off a little bit. Then four or five, six. I, you know, I felt like it was back to normal. Yeah. The fourth episode is when they do his origin story, mm-hmm. and it I like the way that they sort of explained it. It's not over. It's not convoluted where they explain how he got his powers. Just a simple. Uh, experiment mishap and they even show like the pain that he goes through in that prison they don't really touch on what happened how he got there yet right they tell you that actually later on um but later on as in beyond episode six yes well, I, mean, I, I would assume they would, but thank oh, you for. I didn't for, tell you how. <laughs> thank you for. You can't resist anyhow. yourself. No, I you cannot. can't. I swear. You but, but just, anyhow, before, did you not hear? Hold on. Since we, did you not hear this? Warning: the yes, yes, yes. But since we're already we're already jumping ahead to, to four, so let's backtrack. Let's backtrack. Okay. Um, the beginning. I mean, I, first let me say what. Yeah. So I like I like all that stuff, and I liked Cottonmouth because he reminds me of he reminds me of Wesley Snipes a little bit. Yeah, kind of. Kind kind of in a more cleaner acting kind of a way. Right. <laughs> Cuz Wesley, I feel like sometimes had marbles in his mouth at times. Well, yeah. So, you know, this guy, you know, his articulation was a lot better and, you know. Right. I just kind I just kind of like No, him. I enjoy him. I, I like I said I like all the performances. I like him as as Cottonmouth. Um for me episode, well, episode 1 and even 2 it, it, I try to explain to people. It's hard to describe like I liked I didn't find it boring, but I felt that the story still didn't feel like it was moving, even though it was moving along. Like it, it didn't feel like it slugged for me, but it was just like you're building up a lot of story, but it's not like it's a convoluted story that you're building. So it just it almost felt like you're stretching your story to me, but not in a bad way that I felt bored or anything like that. Um, so, like you know, in the first the first episode particularly, um, and even the second, uh, they finally stopped doing it by the third. I, I wasn't thrilled with the fact that. As a black man, I felt like they were pandering to black culture, and I was and not happy about that. You mean that, that those first fifteen minutes of the episode? It's not even first fifteen minutes, first two episodes. Um, it's very much because if you think about it, a lot does not happen in the first two episodes. I mean, we we, we get story, we, we see who our bad players are, right? But um, but for a superhero show, especially, there's not a lot of superheroics for the most part. And again, I'm not saying they had to be. I'm just saying there just isn't. 
um, for the first 27 minutes, we, we still had, of the first episode, we still had no super heroics, but yet we had sex. You know, we had TNA all over the screen. You know, it's, and that's one of us. Not that Netflix has ever said that this is for 10-year-olds, but at the same time, it's like, are you really going to let your 14-year-old watch? You know, I mean, and again, for everybody, that's a different answer. You know, it's, it is one of those things where I was just surprised again, whereas, because Daredevil does not have that aspect of, like, you know, it's only about the violence. It's like, okay, it could be overly violent, but that's, you know, you know that in these kind of shows. Right. But both Jessica Jones and Luke Cage have like just such a prominent sexuality to them that's not necessary to the story at all. I was surprised that Luke you know? that, that 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 it was so sexualized in within the first episode. Right, that's what I was saying. Like, wow, that's we, why I said we, I felt like I was being pandered to. We've gone from A to S. We went from A to T and A. You know, listen. You know, Luke Cage likes his coffee, man. He's got to have his coffee. <laughs> but but we're not talking about the fact that because the thing is, his scene was tasteful. We, that he just was in bed and they woke up the next day. It's the rest of it. It's like, you know, I, we know. Wait, wait. We know what a. The first one? In the beginning in the first episode? I'm not sure what you're talking. He, he's, he's saying, what are you referring to? He's saying, are you referring oh, to just um, when his, he was, his first when he sexual encounter with, with, with Misty Knight? Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't just that they wake up. They had a very, you know, intimate scene. But it, but it was still it, tasteful. Yeah, it wasn't it was like tasteful. It wasn't anything that you don't see on network television. Oh, okay. I right. mean, that's just normal TV. Yeah. It wasn't like a you Jessica know, Jones right. scene. Right. You know, and it's, but like I'm saying, like it's, yeah, I understand that you've gone to a nightclub or, you know, you've gone to a strip club, or whatever. And it's, it's just, it's not adding to the story. So my question with any element well, you add in is why. And like I said, because they're trying to grab in a black and then of color audience between the music and the like just excessive and unnecessary TNA like I said it was it felt like they were pandering to that audience you well, know the, I'll say this the scene is necessary what scene the Misty Knight scene? Yeah. Well, he, he's talking about in general. He's oh. talking about as a whole. I, I, Misty, yeah, I, I don't understand. I don't understand you're what you're confusing saying. me. Yeah, I, 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 well, I, I, he, I, well, <laughs> listen, right. listen me straight through. Misty Knight scene, nothing wrong with it. Okay. Stated that. Right. It's nothing different than you've seen on TV. Sure. I've talked only about the TNA prevalent in the first episode and even into the second one. Where was there more? You mean at the strip club where there are just literally pasted women yeah. and I booty see. shaking? It's Pasties again, isn't naked. I, I didn't say. Okay, we're going to need to move along <laughs> because I'm not saying any of this. Okay, not, well, I'm, look. I'm just making a statement that I felt that they were pandering to the black characters, and I just felt that that was not something I was comfortable with as a black person because it's just like, oh, I see. In order for you to get the black viewers, suddenly we're going down a street that you've never had to go down before, and especially if you know. Okay, the, the villains in in a strip club. Fine, you didn't have to show a, a prolonged scene of you know these women in paces grinding all over for like for like it right. like five minutes. Now, am I, do I have a problem with women in paces? No, I don't have a problem with that. But you know, it wasn't necessary to the story. It just seems like you know you're setting the scene so much to say, hey, look, you know, we've got naked women here. Come watch us. Yeah, and it didn't it didn't have to be that way. Well, like I said, because then you have to ask. It's every time you make any scene, you're you're making a choice. The fact that it doesn't add to the story, now you're, the question is, then what is it adding to? Right. And that means if you're saying, well, I'm trying to add viewers, well, then the next thing is, well, let's think. If you're trying to say that you're only getting viewers by showing these scenes, and this is particularly an all-black cast, and the viewers you're really trying to pull in are obviously going to be black and of color, 
then you're saying that these scenes are necessary to pull them in. So what are you trying to say about the crowd that you're pulling in? Right. No, I got that's, it. that's my point. And it's funny because yeah. you said that before. I mean, you have been at odds about that before, but I totally agree with that in this case. It's only in the beginning and after that there isn't anymore. It's within the first two episodes. I mean, it's not a ton, but it's just like I said, it's unnecessary. And also, I mean, again, everyone has a different values. I mean, I just know that, let's, let's put it this way, when I was 13, maybe even 14, my mom would not have let me watch that if that had existed by that right. point. So that like, you know, you're risking losing viewer audience. I mean, granted, in this society, you never know what you're going to get. A lot of parents may or may not care, but it's like, you know, why, why go there? Why not try and be more inclusive with your audience? You know, get younger viewers as, you, as much as you can with the kind of story you're telling. That, was, again, was just it's a decision uh, that I didn't understand. Which is why I'm surprised this, with so many high school kids and junior high school kids. Of course, so, because so many series. I'm like, you saw that? This, nowadays, they see worse on the Kardashians. Doesn't make it right, though. Right, <laughs> exactly. And, and yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're well, making this seem like this thing is horrible. No, no, Move no, on. no, 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 not making it seem horrible. Just saying, one of the bad points, uh, and especially we're talking about episode one, and episode two. I guess it's a matter of opinion. Absolutely, moving on. I'm moving on. Um, let me see. Um, I'm trying to think, there was something about episode one that oh, I was speaking to one of my friends, and he was bothered by the big old portrait of Biggie in Cottonmouth's um, apartment. Like that, like he felt like that was aggressively that was his pandering office. to, yeah, aggressively yeah. pandering to the black audience. It was, and I was like, I guess it, it was his office, and it plays more to Cottonmouth's character because he was like, it says, you know, you like my Biggie picture? Yeah, that was a great guy. You know, he he really he came from the bottom, worked hard, and got to a, a point at the top. Sure, he's dead now, but he was still pretty great. Right, that's and what it's it, all well and good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the best use out of that picture though was. Uh, as he moves slowly to the point that in the in one of the frames that he moves slowly to the point that the crown was sitting perfectly on his head mm-hmm. from the Biggie poster. That was just a beautiful shot. Oh, that's shot. right. That, yeah. that, that scene was beautifully shot. You know, I, I really did yeah. like that. Um how did you how do you feel about so far our villain Cottonmouth or no, no, um, Cottonmouth or Mariah. I was going to go into Black Mariah because Black Mariah, they, their relationship is very, very interesting. Yeah, especially going towards you know the later on. But how do you feel about the, how they work off each other? Alfred Woodard, who's oh, just excellent. She's, she's fantastic. Oh my god, you know, yeah, all that um, stuff we talked I, about the last episode. Scratch that. She's fantastic. <laughs> um, well, it's, I mean, I like I like the fact that they're very different, and I like the fact that they're unexpectedly different, meaning that. You would just think, um, just knowing that Cottonmouth is the more gangster type side, that he would be the one like keep Harlem black for blacks and da da da, and that she would be, I'm a councilwoman, I want everyone in, and it's really great that she's actually like, you know, I'm a councilwoman, and of course I want development, but you know, she she's not like it's a secret, she's like I, you know, keep Harlem for Harlem, but then the part she doesn't really specify to the cameras is she wants to keep Harlem black. Whereas Cottonmouth is like, I don't care who comes in here as long as their money is green. Right. And I really like that they're very, they're villains, but they're very different villains, you know? Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they, they play along with each other. Now, what's interesting, though, is that, uh, is that, because um, in, in the comics, she's Black Mariah. That's just the name she was. Yeah. And she looks completely different, da 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 da. But they're not related in the comics. Ah. So this was just a, you know, so the point to why they made it related, who knows? Um, you know, maybe they just made it come later on. You know, or maybe they just felt it was better storytelling. Um, but you know they weren't related. But I, I am enjoying them both. I'm enjoying the way they play off each other because I think I, I like um, Alfred Woodard as she tries. She tries, and that's the best word. She tries to be a more was it genteel kind of a woman, but you see street all under her. Yeah, and I like that. I like that in her performance. Whereas Cottonmouth is like I'm street. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, Cottonmouth is more like because um, Mariah wants to better the community in a way 
She doesn't. For she as long as she benefits from it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Cottonmouth is more like, you know, sure you helped me get this legit business, but I still want to do me, and for me to, for me to actually become something of myself, is to be powerful. And to be powerful, I gotta have this kind of business. I gotta, right. you know, sell my arms to people, and because I do that, they need me. Right. And that gives me power. So that's what his his thing is. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it, um, it is very interesting, and I don't want to mention that point. So all I'll say is the way they seemed like in in the later episodes, it feel like the relationship was a little bit hinted at something different. Maybe it's just my eyes seeing something. Okay. I don't want to mention it now. Okay. Um, how did you guys feel about um a major role, a major character in Luke's life passing away so quick? <laughs> Uncle Ben. Yeah, black, black Ben. I like. First of all, I like that actor. I, I, oh, he's a good actor. And I was liking his character. I was hoping he'd be around for at least. Pops, rest in peace. Dude, <laughs> you knew in the first episode when he gave the basically, and think about it, he did the same thing that they did in um, Captain America: Civil War. He gave the same speech Peter Parker did. The I'm not going to say with great power comes great responsibility, but I just said it in a whole bunch of different words. The moment he said that. Because I was seeing, I actually watched uh, the first four episodes with Jazz. Shout, Shout out to Jazz. jazz. Um, <laughs> I watched the first four episodes with Jazz. And I looked at it and I said, he just said, with great power comes great responsibility. And Jazz was like, well, you know, really, I guess most superheroes get that same speech. I'm like, I said, but he just got it from this guy that you know is going to die in order for him to progress. <laughs> who who <laughs> you know? establishes like a father figure to right. him. <laughs> it's like a father figure or like an uncle. <laughs> you know, like, and then to add to the Peter Parker stuff, even though um, he wasn't killed by the guy himself, but it was it was something that Luke Cage may have been able to prevent. What happens? Chico, who eventually the mob is looking for and ends up killing Pops over to get him. What happened with Chico early on in that scene before, you know, again, to add to the Peter Parker mythology. He he, he, uh, he runs into Luke Cage when he runs literally runs into him. He drops a gun. All oh, right. Luke could have taken the gun. Yep. He could have stopped him from going to commit this crime. Mm. It's just again, well, no, he didn't. You know, it wouldn't have stopped by him taking the gun. Probably wouldn't have stopped him. But again, we don't know. And the thing is, like I said, it's it, very it's, now it's we're very, talk, now we're talking cookie, cookie, cookie cutter, right? Yeah, cookie cutter. <laughs> you know, but again, we're, we're, it's still one of those things of he had a chance to stop the guy from going because he knew he was going somewhere criminal. It means got a gun, <laughs> you know. So it was one of those things where it's like. Yeah, you're kind of indirectly responsible for your guy dying, you know. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't, I'm not saying it as in cause and effect. I'm saying from storytelling point of view, it's very similar to the Peter Parker, yeah. Uncle Ben mythos. And I thought that was kind of funny, sad, and interesting all at the same time. I, I, I re- honestly, I, I like the character so much. I didn't want him to die. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's, so, he's such yeah. a nice guy. And especially, you know, he's got the little, you know, yeah, you know, I've always been a good guy. And, you know, here's right. why I did things. And that's not what my name is, Pop. And so I was like, okay, I was really digging this character. I was hoping... Maybe the four? Nah. nah. <laughs> Damn, it was I, like, I was shocked. What the fuck you mean he's dead? I was, I was su- uh, surprised he made it past one. <laughs> you know? How so, do you expect, him, expect Luke Cage to be motivated to do shit? Um, well, usually by just wanting to be motivated to do shit. Like, that's... This is a, a guy that just wants to be left alone. Well, again, that's, well, that's the thing is that um, I've said it's just interesting that in today's world, that seems to be what we need. We need a motivation to do the right thing. And it's sad because I shouldn't need to be motivated to do the right thing. Right. Like, you know, and and I I do find that an interesting twist. It's not that other heroes haven't had loss in their life, but usually it's young or something like that. 
um, or they're already trying to do the right thing, and then something happens to a family member, and that just that just you know makes their determination just you know it's carved in stone or something like that. But uh, I do find that now we we seem to have like it's the only way he'll do it is if someone dies, and like, right? It's like the way they all do it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny in uh, in the first episode when he's covering for the bartender, mm-hmm. and the guy's like, uh, "You think you could handle it? You ever bartended before?" And he just gives them that look. It's like. Motherfucker, I own the bar. I can bartend. It's okay. I got this. And the guy's looking at him like, do you want to answer me? Because you're, dish- <laughs> you're just my dishwasher, so uh, I don't know if you could bartend. And by the way, why did he think he could bartend? <laughs> hey, you wash dishes? Yeah, you did. That makes me how to bartend. I guess that's how that works. <laughs> well, we would we would hire the 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 the, the other with the dishwashers, but they're kind of short and they can't like we join the bar. So you're the tallest one. So we're gonna well, go for you. They weren't as fine looking as you. <laughs> fine. It's actually common knowledge that uh, every oh, knowledge. every large black man knows how to bartend. Really? Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm pretty oh, sure goodness. you know how to bartend. Uh, it's in no. there. It's in your it's DNA. In it just it just comes out. Wow. So you stand behind a bar and someone says, "Give me a Manhattan." Your arms are just gonna start moving. Oh, I mean, I always assumed after looking at the NFL, they just all just knew how to hit women. But um, <laughs> I guess they all know how to bartend. Oh my god! <laughs> Thank you. I, I that deserved that. I totally. I didn't say it was wrong. Just say it deserved it. Um. All right. Here's my question. It felt like things, you know, like like, like Mike says, you felt like um, it, it took a while to get the, the, the wheels going on the action. Um, did you feel like, speaking of action, the way episode three ended with, um, the Boom! Ro- with the rocket launcher, did you feel like it was a little bit over the top, gentlemen? It was. I mean, it, but at the same time, I was like, oh, yeah, it's over the top. And it was over the top. But, uh, I mean, it was, it, it, it was fun to it because it is superhero-y over the top, which is, again, I find a weird balance that they're not finding they can't seem to find the yo man we're keeping it real versus and then we're not <laughs> you know what i don't get apparently luke was their only oh tenor. i was about to bring like so i'm like so so genghis connie thought that she was going to make money by renting out to one man that is always late on the rent and that was a <laughs> it was a four-story apartment yeah, building four-story building with her restaurant underneath one tenant and it was like at the wee hour so you know everybody's home yeah <laughs> yeah know? Because I'm like, so no one else died? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Marvel. Apparently, not. Apparently <laughs> you know, it's a really bad neighborhood. They, they can't, you know, get people to rent the yeah, apartment. They pulled the DC move. Everybody left. Everybody was outside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, Marvel didn't do that. They just did what they always do. We don't kill a bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> the building was empty. It's okay. <laughs> I, was, I was a little bit thrown up by how over the top that was. Because, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, in... In the first fight scene, which was pretty cool, where you know where he comes into Genghis Kakani's and she's being you know like hit up for for t- some tax, right. and he takes out um Cottonmouth's men. That was within the realm of possibility. Right. You know, his bu- he's bulletproof, he's strong. You know, he can break things. So it's all within that realm. And then when that rocket launcher came out, I'm like, really, guys? Well, it's the way he just. It's because it's the way Cottonmouth just whipped it out from like out of off the side in the roof. You're like. Oh, he's probably going to whip out a rifle. Oh my God, it's a rocket launcher! <laughs> hey, that's what I, I thought it was going to be like a sniper. Of course, or something. you think it's going to be a sniper. Why wouldn't you? Because that would make sense. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I was, but I mean, as, as over the top as it was, I still laughed, found it funny, and you know, moved on. You know. You know what I find amazing that after you drop a building on the guy, right? Literally. Mm-hmm. You're still people. The, the the thugs are still pulling out guns and shooting him. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Yep. They dropped a building on him. Yeah. You think that your gun is gonna be the one to do it? Yep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the that bu- magic bullet. The building weakened him. 
the building weakened him. We can we can probably get him with the gun now. Let's keep trying. Boom, boom, boom. Well, the first 300 bullets didn't work. Maybe the 301 will. Maybe I just need to be closer. Because that was... Episode the end of episode three going into four. Now four was his um origin story. His origin story. Yeah. Which I felt was as much as I enjoyed Say it, it was contrived. Christmas. It was very contrived. I it, mean, you I know mean, I could I, I couldn't stay awake. I don't know why. Oh, I didn't find it boring. I did find it, it very contrived. Right. Because I mean, again, in the comics you, you accept what you read in the comics. Comics medium is very different than TV and movie. We all know that. And certain things that work one don't work the other. Right. So that they were very faithful, really, to his actual origin story. I mean, that part was great. It, it was just that, like, but once you see, it's like, so you, this person just happens to also fight, you know, have these fights by the guards and also it's a just happens prison. to have, yeah, but that that doesn't mean you expect there to be fights by the guards. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, you know, so I'm like, it happens to have that and it happens to also be where they experiment with secret soldier for on serum. Right. Okay. I'm gonna let you have this. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That that was the one I was like, hey, that's what you're doing. <laughs> I felt I felt like there was scenes just done I'm sorry, Ralph. I just feel like there were scenes done over and over. Yeah. Like it felt like carbon copy of the same scene. I and so it felt like it, it was it was it was a what, like let's just say an hour for the sake of it. I mean, I think all the episodes are shorter than that, but it was an hour episode with minutes. thirty minutes of like actual yeah. episode. It was like thirty minutes of actual Telling tale, and then another thirty minutes of like just show it again, just in case they forgot. Right, <laughs> you know. totally. There's a lot of that. What are you gonna say, Ralph? I'm sorry. Uh, Seagate Prison, mm-hmm. George's Alcatraz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it was also really funny. So watching it with Jazz again, I had never, I hadn't seen any of this episode as much as anyone else. I turned to him when we saw it was an origin episode. I said, "Guarantee you right now, in prison, he's going to grow a huge afro." I said, "And I'm telling you this right now." Well, he went in with an afro. Well, I'm, he hadn't had an afro yet. This is because it's storytelling. This is because remember it opens up with them showing him still in a rubble and then flashing back. So I said I knew it was an origin story. So I'm like, he's gonna have an afro, and I said, and I guarantee you, whatever machinery they're gonna hook up to him with is going to be his tiara. Yep. They're gonna have cuffs on him, which is going to be his bracelets, and yep. somewhere along the line we're gonna get a chain in there. Yeah. And so when all that's happening, and then he finally broke out, and I turned to him, and I said, and now he's gonna find some clothes that look like I have a statue of Luke Cage in his old outfit. He's got a yellow shirt, some pants. Sure enough, and then once he picked him up, I said, and then he's going to look and say something about how this looks awful. Yep. <laughs> it was and funny. Jazz just looked at me like, damn. <laughs> he's like, you look like a damn fool. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, I can write this stuff. It's not really that hard. <laughs> it was still, it was so cool to see. Oh, I was, but it was, I was wondering when they were going to pull the trigger on that. But he didn't yeah. have the chain around his waist. Well, no, but at the one scene, the, no, it didn't have to have it around the waist. I knew it'd be a chain, but like it was the chain from one of his cuffs. Yeah. And when he's standing and he's about to put the clothes on, you see him kind of move and it kind of moves like, like it's near his waist area. I'm like, oh, there we go. To give the illusion of that. Yeah. yeah, it's just the illusion of it. Yeah. That, I mean, that was pretty cool. It was funny. You know, I knew yeah. it was coming though. Right. But I, I just felt like that episode just. I felt like it dragged. Now, I don't know if it was because I was watching it post-Comic-Con or whatever, but I just felt like that episode just kind of trudged along a little bit. It also might be because it isn't... I mean, take away the superpower. It's really just every black guy in a white prison system movie that you've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, it, it's exactly that. It's, it, it literally offered nothing new on the theory. And know? it just ends with him saying, he did the Iron Man. I'm Luke Cage. Right, yeah. You know, so I'm like, oh, that, but yeah, but him getting that name... That was just, I'm like, come on, guys. You really, yeah, I was you, reached, <laughs> you reached for it. Like, you went for Luke from the Bible from a passage. And I'm in a cage. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, no, it's because he's like, so Luke Freeman then? It's like, no, Freeman would be too much, too on the nose. Too on the nose. Right. <laughs> but cages. Cage. cage. <laughs> yeah. 
That works. Yeah, yeah whatever. I, I was just like, you really shouldn't have overthought that. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, it was one of those where you're like, all right, let's just let's just forget about that part. Right. <laughs> um, um, because when we go into episode five, I'll say one thing. Um, from the beginning, did you think that? I don't, I'm trying not to give away too much, but fuck it. We we said we said spoiler episode five. Episode five. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you? Oh, uh, it's Pop's funeral. Yeah. Right. But but before then, you're dealing with also um. Was that five or six when you're dealing with um, Misty's partner, um, Scarf? Six. Well, that's that's five. Well, when, when six, all depends, right? Paul depends. You mean when we first find out that Scarf? No, 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 no. That's earlier on. That's that's like three. Right. Right. But I'm talking about like when he actually gets shot. All right. Um. Um. Okay. I was gonna say um when when he, him getting shot and you know like like him being him being dealt with. Right. Did you think that was gonna happen earlier or later? Oh no. I mean, I well, I knew. I knew somebody, and more than likely, would end up being the the dirty cop at this point. I'm like, someone's going to get injured because episode five, first few minutes, who do we see? Claire. Yeah. <laughs> Claire only serves one purpose besides like just to be the greatest anchor character ever. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But I'm like, oh, someone's going to get injured. <laughs> there, there's a nurse in the area now. <laughs> they were when they first were developing the story for Luke Cage. They were thinking about using her as night nurse, mm-hmm. but they decided instead to go. In a different direction where her were using where Claire was an actual character in Luke Cage, right? But she just wasn't as prob- as, as prevalent as, right. as Night Nurse. Yeah, I mean, she effectively is Night Nurse. I mean, it doesn't matter if they want to call her that. That is basically who she is, but, right? You know, um, especially with her saying that, like, you know, she that her only goal now is that she wants to help people, people. with powers, yeah. and right. I'm like, that makes you Night Nurse. I mean, that's <laughs> who you are. But I was so so happy to see her, you know. But um. But I mean, when it came to Scarf, I mean, when he when he showed his true colors, I, I was like, just by based on who they who they casted as the actor, I was like, yeah, when is he turning bad? Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, it was it was clear he was going to be. Yeah. the bad but I was, guy. I was trying to have hope. I was okay, maybe they didn't typecast him. Nope, yeah. there he, there there it went. <laughs> yeah. No, and also by the way, since we just got finished mentioning Luke's uh, origin and then where he got his name from, how it's very biblical and that is yeah. Did you not like the fact that the hammer weapon system? The bullet that they think might be able to take him down is the Judas bullet, and I'm like, guys, you, oh. you really need to stop. <laughs> like, like <laughs> we got the hint. You, you, you need to stop this now. You know? I, I, it's I, getting I, a little corny. <laughs> and, I mean, I mean, th- sometimes you hit home run, sometimes you swing and miss. Maybe that idea of a, calling it the Judas <laughs> it was a swing and miss. Yeah, just saying. Yeah. Um. All right. So we have episode five and episode six where we ca- and I feel like. You know, it's funny. I feel like it was a good place for us to to kind of stop watching it because right. it, it felt like it ended episode six, five, five going into six ended nicely. Like if you did like a a television series like on on regular TV and you would want to end it and go on a break, you could. But five going? I thought six. Felt like no, the no, six no, but I'm saying like five and then and then six. Oh, you mean six itself feels like the break? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, six, like if you had like a break. mid-season break like yeah. like Walking Dead does that'd yeah. be perfect it tied itself in so nicely yeah. refresh my memory what happens at the end of 6 at, well, at the end of 6 is that we have that uh, Cottonmouth has been arrested and that Mariah okay. uh, Black Mariah is now being you know the question is like you know this councilwoman she's tied in the stoke you know how honorable could she be I mean that's and then we're and also Scarf, left, and Scarf also and we're also with Scarf, Scarf is dead with Scarf being dead yeah. um, the, uh, the police force itself is now like sketchy about what they're going to say did and didn't happen because they're still dealing with um, the police corruption from Wilson Fisk. Yeah. So they really don't want to deal with that. So Misty Knight is also seeing that like, you know, basically her captain's like, y'all on the wrong side of the glass there, sister. You oh know? my God. The, the woman that, that captain, I'm not really Angela Bassett. 
I'm like, is that Angela Bassett? Every time I saw him, I'm like, is that Angela, Angela Bassett Light? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Except it's like, but what I loved about her, besides her voice, was I'm like, that woman looks like she's taking a lot of fists to the face. Oh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> I was just like, that is a woman that has actually worked the streets. I'm like, she looks like she would have been a cop. <laughs> she know? worked the fists. That's what she worked. <laughs> wow. Oh, fuck. But, uh, but I did want to say. What? <laughs> but I did want to say right. with, um, with Scarf, the thing that, I mean, like, like I said, it's all been good. Six was a good episode, more or less. I mean, I thought the church scene, the the the, the funeral scene, was a bit much. It was, but um, it was it, good for Luke to put him in his place. Yeah, but it was very weak. Like in other words, I thought that Cottonmouth's speech was better than, than Luke's, Luke's speech. speech. And like Luke, I mean, they gave him a standing ovation. And I'm like, his speech really wasn't that good. But what really well, got me was he was saying what they wanted to hear. Yeah, I suppose so. But what really got me though, nothing to do with that speech or anything like that, was um, that when Luke and uh, Claire return to the barbershop uh, this is before the funeral and they're like wait this door is usually locked and I'm like and then they see you know Scarf is in there bleeding death I'm like okay now the police have already established that Scarf's car was at the same place at the dock which is nowhere near where they are it right. can't be it's a dock <laughs> you know so it's at the docks the car's there he's been shot in the side in the leg that means he had to walk right to the barbershop mm-hmm. bleeding in broad daylight because it's morning yep Right. No one noticed him. Yep. This white cop in an all-black area, for the most part, who also managed to not bleed on the way into the barbershop, but bled in the barbershop. Yeah. And I'm like, how did he get there exactly? Because, <laughs> again, he didn't come in the back way. The front door was unlocked. So we know he came in the front. C-word. C-word convenience. It was just so bad, though. Because I, I said, I'm like, even if he took a cab, the cab would just be like this. First of all, the, it's not even about being a good citizen. You're not going to bleed in my car. Listen, <laughs> you know, you, you got to know Uber drivers, man. People puke in their car. They just charge you extra. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. so but it, was like, just, it was just one of those things that like, you know, I, I could imagine that Uber driver. Okay, where are you going? Hot, wait, you bleeding? Oh no, I'm gonna have to charge you extra for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they they, they wouldn't kick you out. They charge you extra. Yeah, yeah. It was just one of those things that when I saw that, I was like, okay, you guys do understand that this it's not even like it's nighttime. It's like it's broad daylight in the morning. All the people have to be going to work. Everyone has passed this man on the street who could barely walk in the barbershop, which means it had to take him a long time yeah. to get there. He just took the sewers. That's right. The turtles were down there. They're like, oh, where are you going, man? I guess those turtles are just lame. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unlike the other turtles, yeah. which, which are really cool. <laughs> All right. Anything else we want to add before we go into the rating for the first half? I am looking forward to watching 7 through 13. Uh, me too. I can't even lie. I finished watching it and I was like, I want to watch more, but I don't want to do a Ralph and give give something away. Kind of, and right. then there's that time. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Everyone dies. Okay. You got to come up with a new At one. Some sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> All right. So let's go into it. Ratings for the first six episodes of oh, Luke Cage. Did you title it? Um, no, because I, I'd rather do that when it's compl- when it's a whole. If you want to do it, it's fine. I, and if you guys are up for it, that's fine. Fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just changed my mind. Fuck it. All right. So, Ralph. Rename the, the first six episodes of Luke Cage. Uh, Luke Cage, not the Samaritan. <laughs> oh. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that reference. That's right. <laughs> uh, I give, oh, just rename or you want to? You give your rating to him. Fuck it. Uh, so far, uh, the first six episodes, I give it uh, nine sweet Christmas nuts out of ten. <laughs> um, I'm going to re- rename it Luke Cage, no white woman girlfriend to be found. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I'm gonna, he doesn't like his coffee with milk. 
No, but he evidently like a tall glass of milk. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And I'm going to rate it eight. I need to buy a new goddamn shirt out of 10. Nice. <laughs> Mike? I retitled this Marvels, the N-word. <laughs> we didn't even get to that. No, they, <laughs> they said niggers so much. Even rappers were like, dude, enough. I'm like, because again, I also thought that was weird. I'm like, guys, again, you're not real realistic because you keep going in and out of it. It's like, you're not, again, you're pandering. You're not adding. I mean, we know what it is. It's not like they're going to say the N word, but it's like, there's other words. Just stop. Well, yeah. Man, this, this is not adding any more authenticity. We know where we are. I'm pretty know. sure Spike Lee consulted on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I give it a rating. Nine. UPS isn't the only brown that delivers out of ten. <laughs> that was great. That was a good line like that. I, I should have rated it eight. Um, eight. Eight. Um, what, what, what did she say? That's the Eighth Amendment. You mean the Fifth? Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> I put the Eighth. I put the Eighth. She was dumb. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. Luke Cage. Six episodes down. Um, seven more to go. So yep. we'll be back with more Meanwhile 22 Pages later because you know what? Geek's on the go. It's next. So you think these bozos would actually have the foresight of creating a new commercial after they make something cool? Well, since they're too lazy, Big Kev here is telling you to download the new Meanwhile 22 Pages Later app. That's right. It's got lots of cool features, like different comic trivia games to keep you busy, and an episode vault so you can catch up on shows you've missed, like all the episodes with me. New things are being added as we speak, so download the new Meanwhile 22 Pages Later app for all of your Apple devices in the App Store. Also, find Meanwhile 22 Pages Later on Facebook and tell them what you think of the app and the show. Personally, I think they suck. Geeks on the go. Now with sweet Christmas nuts. <laughs> now with what? Sweet Christmas nuts. Sweet Christmas nuts. Yep. All right. Oh, cool. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that alone. I'm not going to make commentary on it. I'm just going to say, you know the segment. I, I give quick questions. They give quick answers on all things geek. We well, never... We maybe barely... we should just tune in for possibly new listeners. What? Explain it more. Okay. So for those who don't know, <laughs> those who don't know what we're doing, this is kind of like a lightning round um, section where in a minute I give out questions and my two colleagues here answer it top of the head or the best, uh, the, the best they can do about the top of their head as possible. With the shitty questions we get. The shitty questions. I want you to see them right. And we're going to switch roles one day. So, if there's, so a, if there's a really tall person here. Do we have to wait for them to get it off the top of their head? Stop. Stop it. Bad puns. This is like, it's like airplane. <laughs> Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> wow. Okay. Good one. So, yeah. So, we usually got a minute. Hopefully, these guys can get it. We've only got it. We've only completed this under a minute once. And that's because Ralph was lazy that day. That day? Yeah. <laughs> I was extremely lazy that day. Yeah, you were. Giving just... The he, same answer to every question. If he was any lazy, he would have been dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dead. Oh, yeah, I got a pulse. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Ready, set, go. Doctor Who has crossed over with different characters, such as the characters of Star Trek. What is a comic that you feel would best cross over with the great Doctor, but hasn't been done yet? Ralph. 
the question. The question. Oh wow. Okay. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Mike. Right. Um, I say Doctor Who and the Legion of Superheroes. Oh. Yeah, I want to see Brainiac Five and the Doctor trying to out clever each other. <laughs> I like that. Okay. That'd be awesome. The best costume you saw at this year's Comic Con was Mike. The Modoc head costume. Oh, that was <laughs> just so funny. You stopped walking just again. I had to. <laughs> he stopped. He chased him I down. I chased him down. I know. That right. guy's like, oh my God, why is this black guy chasing me? <laughs> Ralph? Uh, it'd have to be the Reinhardt costume. That shit was awesome. Yeah, definitely. To, to, especially watching him come up the escalator. That was yeah. great. If Spider-Man's villains fought Batman's rogue gallery, which single villain could you envision being the, the lone survivor? Ralph? Uh, it'd have to be the Joker because he'd just play everyone against each other and then come out the victor. I don't know about that. Time's up, but we'll continue. I Mike? disagree. I say it's easy. Screen Goblin. Norman Osborn would kill everyone without a second thought. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's true. just that crazy. <laughs> he is. He's Joker, but just smarter. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And final question. If Comic-Con was hosted as a three-day boat cruise, what would it be called? And would you want in? Ralph? Uh, it'd be called Titanic 2. And no, because it'd probably sink into the, <laughs> oh, damn. Into the river. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know what's funny? They were going to make it to Titanic, too, but that's so fucking funny. <laughs> the they, boat they, resurfaced. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about Jack. D'Onofrio is still alive, <laughs> and he's pissed off Wait, at Vincent Winslow. Wait, Vincent D'Onofrio, you said? Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. I'm like, D'Onofrio's not even... (laughs) He's still alive. He's pissed at Kate Winslet. (laughs) (laughs) This time, it's personal. (laughs) Titanic 2, the electric boogaloo. Stop, that's my (laughs) line. Mike? Um, I would say I have two choices. It would either be called Gilligan's Island of the Living Dead, (laughs) and I wouldn't want to go, or it would be called Giant Size Man-Thing by the Sea. (laughs) I'd go. Giant-sized man thing by the sea. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Typically, shout-outs are what we say for the end of the show to kind of talk about people, you know, that we just want to say what's up to, you know, um, drop a line, hope everybody's doing okay. But I think we have some special shout-outs being that we just went to Comic-Con. So anybody has some Comic-Con shout-outs? Tons, man. I think we all got tons. All right. So um, um, Ralph, you want to start it off? Uh, I want to do a shout-out for Joey, I think, because he... Who, the intern? Yeah, the intern. Joey. Why did I have to get my own water today? <laughs> <laughs> um, he really liked, uh, I think his name was uh, Geraldo Salazar. Yeah. Really great artist. He did a really good Venom that we saw on his table, and Joey was like mesmerized. Okay, after you just shouted out the wrong person, we're going to shout out to Geraldo Sandoval. There you go. That's his name. <laughs> Who is a wonderful artist and has been the number one coming out in December of this so year. For, so for those of them back, I was close. Geraldo Sandoval. Yeah, he was a great guy. He was really, he was a really great to talk to, and his artwork period was amazing. His Venom, I, it, I'm not a Venom fan, and I can't wait to actually pick up. Yeah, the issue. right. I really will pick up the issue. As, it was hilarious because um, uh, he's a uh, he's an inker, also. Right, mm-hmm. so um, Joey's like, "Oh, so you just trace the lines," and then he's like, "Oh, tracer! No, let me show you tracer!" <laughs> and he pulls out his own work, and that was incredible. Well, of course, oh, no, no, that wasn't him. That wasn't him. No, that was uh, who are you shouting out over here? That, <laughs> that, that was Victor Olazaba. That's right. My bad. He's usually an inker, and he inks to um, Umberto Ramos. He's yeah, working. He's working yes. on. He's working on champions right he's now. He's working on champions, and also so shout out to Victor uh, Olazaba and also the Charles Soul. Charles Soule is writing Champions along with uh, Victor doing the ink and uh, Umberto Ramos doing the art. Right. Who am I? 
know. <laughs> You're confused. That's who you are. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'll give a shout out. Being that you said Charles Soule, I'm going to give a shout out to um, Alberto Albuquerque, who um, actually has his own book that he that he did with um, Charles Soule writing it called Letter 44. So if you get a chance, oh, to check you. it out. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I loved Alberto's work. He was very, very kind. It took... Quite uh, quite a little bit of time to talk with us. Yeah. Him and his, his representative, I can't remember her name. She was talking with, with Troy and shout out to Troy <laughs> as as Alberto and, and Alberto's um, agent and us. We were talking. Troy was really integral oh, in the conversation. conversation. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I was like, wow, you woke up. Yeah. <laughs> I finally got to see Tim Seeley. I was so happy to meet this man for two Comic Cons in a row. I've been trying to find him at his booth. That's right. Tim Seeley is the writer, creator, artist behind Hack Slash. Anyone that has not read Hack Slash should be reading it. It's an awesome, fun, and creepy book. I don't uh, want to. And he's also doing Nightwing this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. I want is Tim Seeley doing yeah, Nightwing? He's doing Nightwing. Oh, I, believe that's he's doing, I believe he's writing the Nightwing, not uh, art, I believe. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. But well, he, was, he was nice. It was nice to be talking for about a good 10 minutes or so. It was a really nice guy. Yeah. I'm going to shout out um, um, Comfort and Adam. They're, they're uh, a uh, artist team that did the book called Rainbow in the Dark. Definitely check it out if you like. Husband and wife. What husband and wife? Yes. If wow. if you like um if you liked Gabe, um, Gabriel Rodriguez's work on Lock and Key, mm-hmm. if you like his artwork, you they're very. I'm not saying they're very similar, but the line structure and how they do their characters and the colors they use. If you like, so you're um, saying they're very similar. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I don't like to say that about artists because because everybody got their own unique style. But if you like, you know, Rodriguez's style, you'll like their style. So you're saying that their art is like his art. So they're similar. Stop. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so and, anyway, Comfort and Adam, yeah. fantastic to talk to you guys. The book is great. My wife bought stuff from them, left, and then came back to them because she was like, I can't leave this place without yeah. buying the book. Well, because right. that that um, Power Women, was it, right? It was the women, Powerful Women, yeah. Powerful Women uh, picture. Oh, it was wonderful. That was incredible. Yeah, fantastic. Was incredible. We literally, we stayed, it was like 15 minutes talking about that one picture until we realized they're right around the corner. Yeah. That we could actually... We won't say who realized that. Oh, boy. Here we go. But it was the motherfucking genius. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't take me a lot of skill. I just looked around the corner. And said, oh, look. There's them. Yeah. Um, I want to say a shout out to Joe Statton. I do not know if this man even knows how... I don't even know if he knows the internet exists. He's an older guy. I... You know, not to make fun. I thought the man was dead by this point. I mean, he he was um, doing E-Man. Not He-Man. E as in the letter E. Um, back in the early 70s for Charleston and I just wandering by and I'm just like I just gushed all over this guy I'm just like oh my god if it wasn't for you I would not have been loving comics um, you know between the, the the written stuff and I don't know who did the writing for the E-Man but I said but the artwork that's what really got me involved and, and enjoying the medium and da 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 and he's just looking at me he goes you can't know who E-Man is you're not old enough and I'm like that's right I'm stop not. <laughs> no he did he was like he's like you cannot be old enough to know who E-Man is and I'm like I just have my ways. <laughs> <laughs> how old is this guy? I, I don't know how old Joe Staten is, but I mean, he's he's got to be up there, you know. But he was <laughs> maybe his head down in, in the pad. That's probably what it was. Yeah, no, but he was a great, he was a great guy, um, and just so nice to talk to him, and just to, to meet like you know just somebody that I, I I I saw their work as a kid and just loved it then to meet him all these years later. So after you gushed on him, did you offer him a napkin? Nope. <laughs> I slapped my sheet on him and I supermaned him home. <laughs> wow. And I'm glad we kept it relevant. <laughs> I'm glad we kept that, re- that reference very relevant to yeah. today's youth. Um, I'd like to say, shout out, let me see if I say her name right. Danielle Gransall. Um, she doesn't have any book. She's not working on a book right now, or at least from what I understand, but 
um, the artwork that she has, she has some individual work, and she had done a, a rendition of different sets of female characters, but in the ro- roller derby outfits. Fantastic work. Her coloring is great. Her lines are fantastic. Um, G bought a bunch of her stuff, she, and she was really cool to talk to. So shout out to her. Hopefully, you know, if you're listening to the podcast as well, because like I didn't realize a lot of these artists say, you know, it takes about a, a day to work on a page. And they like listening to the podcast because right. they've got all that time to, right. to get that stuff done. So she's like, yeah, I'll check you guys out. So hopefully if you're listening, Daniel, it was great meeting you and love your work. Right. I want to shout out Jason Metcalf. Oh, uh, Jason awesome, Metcalf. Awesome artist. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, he is. And, and, and just, he's a nice guy. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, he's a little bit straightforward business wise. But I mean, you know, he's a nice guy. He, he likes to laugh. I think, he, I think he likes to meet the people. And he's easily embarrassed because... I was just like, your work is awesome. And he's like, thank you. <laughs> and so we were, here's, here's a quick story. We were just leaving the Comic-Con and we stopped by, we pretty much just running by his table and his artwork catches us because he has it printed on aluminum sheets. Yeah. What? And yeah. So the way that it looks, is, it's incredible. The colors on there. Yeah, incredible. they just pop out of there. It's just, it was just amazing. Mr. Metcalf, all I got to say is this. To make my wife spend more money on stuff that she already put a cap on. And she was like, okay, we're done spending money. She goes by and sees that beautiful Harlequin that she um, that she bought. And she was like, I got to have this for the house. Yeah, it, yeah That's def- something. Definitely check out his website. I believe it's just jasonmedcalf.com. I, I believe it's, I, um, I think, you, is that or is it flipped? No, it's, no. it's that. It's Jason, it's Jason Metcalf. Metcalf. I'm not sure if it's Yeah, it's jasonmedcalf.com. Oh, yeah. Right. So definitely, you know, please check him out. You've probably seen his artwork before. He does a lot more covers than interiors, I believe. Right. But he's just he's just wonderful. And like I say, he's a really great guy. Um, you know, you just go to his site, you see what you like, and then you write to him. He'll even do commission work. So, you know, if it's something you are, want to see done, he'll do it. I'm, I would say keep it reasonable to keep your keep your disgusting minds out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, um, yeah. Another shout out to uh, Tony Cordos. He's, All right. He's the artist that um, last year I had. Well, the first year I went to Comic Con, I bought two images from him. The turtles, the yeah, turtles yeah. one. Yeah. The first it was uh, Raphael and Leonardo. Incredible pictures. Then when I went last year, I saw that he had added to the series. He added the Donatello, Michelangelo, Splinter, and um, and Shredder. Mm-hmm. Incredible. So I bought those two. Oh wow! And then when we went this year. He added the crank to it too, so I'm like, oh my god! Yeah, the crank. He added yeah. the crank, so I'm like, you know what? I gotta get, I gotta complete the series. So now in my house, I got that all together. Nice, yeah. that's really nice. Now, do you have it hanging up yet, or are you waiting for the no, right time? No, I have it. I already, I bought the sleeves beforehand at Comic Con. You already knew you were gonna. So I, I just thumbtack it to the wall. Yeah. Okay. Right. I, I want to give a shout out to N. Stephen Harris, and he's uh, one of the artists for Watson and Holmes, uh, oh. which is a great series. Uh, you know, it's really great. Uh, they're smaller press that they work on, but. Uh, it's a black version of Sherlock Holmes and Watson, um, and it's just—it's really well done. They're now—they finally made a volume two, so they were—they were selling that. Um, got to talk with him; he's a really nice guy. Also, want to shout out to Daryl Frymark, who is an executive producer for *The Devil Is Due in Dreary*. So, you know, I had—I bought the book last year and shamefully have not read it yet. Um, I've read at it a little bit now. It's—it's it's a really great story, and it's possibly—you know—it's it's one of those getting up there for uh, a movie, for trying to get it for a movie, which could take a while, but uh, you know, hey, you can pick it up. Definitely pick up The Devil Is Doing Dreary. Pick up Watson and Holmes. Uh, still got a couple of people to shout out. Um, yeah, so do I got one yeah. or two also. Go I was going to throw out, I mean, this is kind of more toward you, but because you kind of initiated the conversation. But shout out to um, Ruthless Effects 
And um, I guess the guy's name was Elijah. Elijah. Yeah. yeah uh, this this booth has um, all of those helmets that you wanted to try to make in cosplay, but failed miserably at. And they look just like they look like movie props. Yes. Yeah. The ones they had were they had the, the red hood from Jason Todd. They had um, um, Nova's helmet. Yeah, they, they had, had a couple helmet. of other different helmets, correct? Yeah. I mean, they had Deathstroke. They have Deadpool. Um, they even have a Red Hood version from Arkham Asylum. They yep. have that helmet. They just have all types. They're just remarkable. Um, they yeah, have so other things, too. They also do weapons. props and yeah. weapons and stuff like that. Go to their website, RuthlessFX. That's Ruthless with the letter F and X dot com. Go look at them. They are absolutely just, it's, it's incredible. Their work is incredible. Yeah. And, and uh, Elijah was just, he, oh, Elijah's pretty cool he too. was just the greatest guy. I mean, it wasn't even like about selling anything. He was just a wonderful person to talk to. He's the guy that actually makes the 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 effects. He doesn't design them, but he makes them. And he, he's an apprentice. Yeah, he's an apprentice. He's doing a great job. And uh, hopefully, if you hear this, more power to you. Keep doing it, and hopefully, I'll see you at the next con. Absolutely. You know? Um, shout out to my boy Age who decided to hang out hang out with us on um, on Friday. You know, it's one. Of, it's funny because you know usually people kind of come with us to walk around the con or like people who are interested in comic books. This guy's a fan, fantastic artist. He's got a lot of great work. You know, he does a lot of album covers and a lot of different things. So it was good to kind of hang out with him. I usually talk with him here and there, you know, on my um, Instagram, but it was good to finally talk to him yeah. for once. So it was good. If you want to find him, just uh, Instagram age art and you'll see him right away. Yeah. Oh, wow. I want to shout out to Tim Yates. He's an independent uh, writer, illustrator. He's done and Bonnie for blue juice comics, which is just this wonderful pirate adventures type story it's just check it out uh tim yates <laughs> and bonnie because you'll, you'll just be blown away by the artwork it's just wonderful he was a really good guy to talk to Wait, did you say tim um, yates yeah tim and yates. and also i want to shout out glenn greenberg friend of mine it was great seeing him there he's worked for marvel he's worked for scholastic i think he's working for um doing stuff with time inc right now but he was actually there to do some uh, co-signing because he has a story in an x-men volume uh, anthology that that came out i think last year and it was just great seeing him again. The man is just a talented writer and, and evidently a good editor as well. Uh, so, you know, Glenn, if you hear this, it was great seeing you. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Um, do you have any more shout outs, Mike? Uh, not before we get to our favorite two. Uh, let's go with our favorite two then. All right. Um, shouting out Jean-Paul DeJong. Yeah, yeah. Boy, Writer, yeah, artist, Sons of Fate at, at BlackberryJuice.net. Yes, sir. Please check out his site. That's Black B E R R Y Juice. dot net. He's his series, Sons of Fate series, is fantastic. That's and right. Its third volume will be coming out when? He said um, he's finishing it by November. So I don't know when it's coming out, but I know he'll be done with it. Yeah. By November, which yeah. he's like, I'll finally have a life again. Yeah. <laughs> the first two volumes have been excellent. It's just, it's it's what the. It's when England and Japan, basically, kind of almost when they they're meeting finally in the, in the histor- history of the world, right? Um, and it's so it's you know it's got lots of history involved, but it's obviously it's a it's a work of fiction and it's just uh, it's a great tale. I mean, I, I won't do it justice trying to to sum it up on my own here. Check him out, and at some point we'll probably have him on the show. We'll, we'll be have able him to explain that pretty soon. Um, he's just he's a wonderful guy, and he just you know you just just feel good meeting him. You know, just just hearing what he's working on. He's just a great artist, so. I can't wait to have him back here. He's been on with us twice, so if you ever you know want to hear him talking about the book and just hearing him having a good old time, go through our uh, podcast and you'll find them uh, that Jean Paul Dejean has been there. He's been there a couple of times, yeah. so so I think it'll be if when he comes up next time, it'll be like his third time on the yeah, show. One hundred percent. That's right. Yeah, and of course his tag team partner. Yeah, Victor Dandridge, who is the president and CEO of Vantage Inhouse Productions. Mm-hmm. Now they make uh, a lot of they have a lot more startup stories and stuff like that, but they do have the cap's been buying the one for children. 
children. Yeah, that's the kindergartens. The kinder, yeah, the kindergartens, which are it just looks like fun. I haven't read it. You've read those. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny because it, it has that Junior Justice League vibe, and that's kind of intentionally what it's trying to have. But it gives um, a lot of moral lessons, and you know, so it's targeted for a younger audience. But if you're older, you 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 can read it and not feel like you're being talked you know down to or anything like that. It, and it, from what I understand, it ties into all those other books as well. Right. Yeah, which is also going with uh, is it the or, the unknown origins. Yes, or, I'm sorry, or origins unknown. Origins, um, unknown. origins unknown. Which are again his uh, the creator owned is his creations, but they're it's kind of like the first time these people are either finding out they have abilities or finding out what they've done with them right after they find out. So usually they're all younger people, um, and if they're kind of an homage to some of the main let's say DC heroes like a, a Superman, a Batman or a Green Lantern or something like that, but it's not them. It's just, and it's not even copying them. It's just, it's, it's kind of like his look into their lives, but they're, it's also, um, it's nicely inclusive because they're different races and stuff like that. Uh, right. Of the characters. Um, but then of course there's also the big line he has, which is the Samaritan, yeah. which Ralph referenced yeah. earlier when we were talking about Luke Cage, which is, let's say coincidental, let's just say, uh, it, when Luke Cage puts on this hoodie, it reminds you of the Samaritan, and the Samaritan came out four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so you should be checking that out. I won't spoil anything, but it is about a a black man that uh, with super abilities that ends up in a very very bad section of town and decides to help clean it up a little bit. Uh, check them out. It's two books that are comprising seven issues of the story. Right. Wonderful. Um, if you can't find it around, go to vantageinhouse.blogspot.com. And, you know, you can check it out there. I believe you can buy from there. But uh, the man himself, Victor, he is always a pleasure. I mean, that is a man that just inspires you to want to get out and yes. start doing and creating whenever you're talking with him. Yeah. You know? He's such a positive spirit yeah. and not in a kind of a hokey or you can do it too kind of way. Oh, no, no. I mean, Very he has genuine. that, that, that gen- is exactly it's genuine. It's yeah. like from a place of, hey, look, I've done it. You, What's stopping you from doing right. it? Yeah. And, and JP is the same way too. Yeah. They, oh, bo- no, they both speak in a way where it's like, it's not, ha look what I've done. It's like, yeah, I've done this. I'm proud. Why aren't you? Why aren't you doing it? Yeah. That's why you can stay at that table for like hours and just talk right. shit with them. JP is the perfect example of you can do it yourself. Because when Victor told them, "Why aren't you doing your own book?" JP's like, "You're right." Right. JP went. He started Sons of Fate, and then when he started talking to more people and said, "You should be printing your own book. Buy this printer. Get this kind of uh, um, renewal um, ink system, mm-hmm. and you can f- do your own books." And JP's like. You know what? You're right. Let me try it. Yeah. And now he's printing his own books. Exactly. And he's loving it. Yeah. 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 And also, besides uh, the the books that I mentioned that uh, Victor Dandridge is doing, he also has this line called "You Create." That's U C R E dash eight. You create, and it's it aims to encourage and inspire future creators. Um, it's like an education based line of products and programming. Um, it's designed to bridge comics with classroom fundamentals. So he's going to try and get that into the classrooms physically. That's fantastic. So that would just be wonderful. Like I said, and he's just, he's really is an inspiration. So, you know, please check him out at his website again, vantageinhouse.blogspot.com. And, you know, just those guys just, just made it. We were there for a while. Now, not to color either Jean Paul or Victor. Let's just say, though, at one point in the conversation, we found out a couple of things about life. We found out that. Victor likes BV, um, Batman v Superman. And oh, does, that's right. And doesn't seem to like Civil War. But Jean-Paul, like most normal sane individuals, <laughs> does not like Batman v Superman, but likes Civil War. However, what we found out as, as, as I jumped into that conversation hot right, no, right off the bat. No. You, know, you? But, but what we found out, though, was that no matter how bad the world gets, whether you're Batman v Superman, whether you're Civil War, whether you're Trump, whether you're Hillary, okay? <laughs> That 
one thing we can all agree upon is that X-Men Age of Ultron sucked ass. We became friends. I'm Wait, not, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Age, of, uh, Age of Apocalypse. I'm sorry. X-Men Age of Apocalypse sucked ass because we all became friends again once that's, <laughs> that, that movie was brought up. We're like, yeah, but it's not Apocalypse. And we're like, oh, we like each other now. <laughs> I, I came in and out of that conversation because you guys started and then I was pulled away to speak to another artist and then I came back and then you guys were chummy again. I'm like, I wasn't that chummy about Batman v Superman. How the fuck did this happen? Yeah. So now I know. It, what bonded you together was the common enemy of X-Men Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. That's fucking hilarious. No, nothing brings people together like hate. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, speaking of something that's not hate and actually reminded me of the X-Men, I did want to, there's one more shout out and this was actually thanks to, um, to Victor that we actually got to meet and we got to meet Michael Golden. Now that name might not jump out to you but he's an artist but he is the co-creator of the X-Men's Rogue. Mm-hmm. Ah, so it was just, I'm just, let's right. talk about another gushing. We're all like, oh my God, you created Rogue and he was the most humble guy in the world. For a moment there, I saw Mike turn into a little schoolgirl. Yep. He was so giddy. He's like, well, I was wearing a Japanese dude, schoolgirl you, costume. <laughs> dude, are you kidding? So did Victor and JP. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we were well, all JP just... was like, oh my God, you just made my day. Yeah, I mean, it, it, made, it made my day. It was just, that was absolutely wonderful to meet this guy. Meanwhile, I was hanging out with him was not making his day. No, you're, you're it not ruins that, my day. You're not that big of a deal. You didn't notice that when... Because when we first approached him, it was you two that first saw him, and then he saw me, and he just lit up. He's like, "Oh my God, it's Ralph. all right, whatever." It's Ralph. Yeah. yeah, he's here. And last, and last but not least, shout outs. Um, shout out to Troy. Shout out to Joe. Shout out to Steve. And shout out to Who? my wife, Who Giselle. Are these people. Oh, that's right. They went with us. <laughs> yeah, they went with us. Thanks for hanging out, having a good time. Whether you came Friday or Saturday or both, in my wife's case. Um, we had a great time. We rolled together. We, well, my wife and I cosplayed together. You rolled together. We rolled together. How much yeah. did you roll? Never mind. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I think we're yeah. gonna end it, it on was, that. It end. was great seeing them. Also, I wanted to say though, you know, you know, a big applause to the people that showed up to the Comic Con. Yes. All the cosplayers. Uh, it was just one of. I mean, it, you couldn't even begin to guess the, the wonderful amount of costumes. But one thing I, I thought was just really interesting, and I was just really happy to see was it was a lot of gender swap cosplay, yep. which I thought was really cool. I mean, it's not that uncommon to see females dressed as male characters, but like some of the character choices this year I thought were just it was great like I saw female Doctor Strange female Green Arrows I saw a female Two-Face and even a female Desert Wear Batman which was wonderful yeah. but then on the other side I saw um, uh, for men there was a guy that was dressed as Sailor Moon's Queen Beryl mm-hmm. which was he just looked fantastic and the year before he had done Gemini Holograms Pizzazz this guy keeps his beard and mustache as well and it just looks wonderful um, there was another guy that was in the slave outfit Leia yeah, yeah. Um, and then a guy and there's a big guy though but he was dressed as Spider-Gwen Oh, you know, it, was that's just, right. it was just wonderful seeing because it's just like this is not male and female. This is who you feel you are. It's who you want to be, and it was just wonderful to see that. And did you forget, did you also forget to mention the guy who that was dressed as Dazzler? Oh, there was, there was a guy, there was a, a there guy, was a guy, guy dressed as Dazzler. There's yeah. a guy dressed as Dazzler. Yeah, yeah. I missed that one. Yeah. yeah, it was it was him. And, and did you I, have a picture of that? No, I don't. Have a I, I have a picture. Oh, okay. I'll put it up on the on the site. Um, it was really really cool. It, and you're right. It's all about. Being and you know it's funny the past couple of comic cons we've joked around about it. Oh my goodness, did you see that or whatever? But honestly, all jokes aside, the fact that you can be able to um, represent yourself however you want to is the way it should yeah. be. I mean, jokes are jokes. I mean, that's the thing is we're we're here, we're having fun. You know, we we may be rating things, but we're the point is we're having fun. We're not here to hurt anyone's feelings, whatever Absolutely. like that. So you know, yeah, I'll talk about the cottage cheese showing on some of these costumes there. <laughs> but again, you're happy, I'm happy, and I'm happy that you love yourself that much. You know, and. And you're just proud of yourself. Have fun. All right. Uh, I do have one warning. 
if uh, you're going to be dressing as the new Harlequin, know your limits. Because there were some people with those um, booty shorts that were just pretty much underwear having everything hang out. <laughs> no, no, nothing left to the imagination. Yeah, huh? and it's like, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't wear that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? To each his own. I just won't look down. That's all. I can't look down. I'm married. <laughs> but um, I'll just say this. Um, okay, well... I'm sorry that this episode ran a little bit long, but you know what? When we talk about Comic-Con, it's always going to be that way. So our apologies to the listeners, but you know what? We'll be back to our hour format on the next podcast, number 91. Yeah, pretty much. So for MFG, Mike the Finance Guy, RT Square, Ralph the Tech, this is the cap saying, keep it geeky. And you know what? When you walk into a a train full of X-Men, take a picture because you'll never see it again.